Very good. <clears throat> All right, First Kings chapter 18. As I mentioned in Sunday school, we have almost a minute more of daylight than we did last Sunday. And so that is exciting. But again, enjoy it. 175 days we start losing daylight. <laughs> First Kings chapter 18. I'm going to read from a couple of chapters here, 18 and 19. All right, let's pick it up in verse number 21. And we all know what happens in chapter 18, and some are familiar with chapter 19. And the focus is really going to be what takes place in chapter 19. But let's give the setting of chapter 19, but what takes place in chapter 18. It says, in Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt you between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him, but if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, Not a word. And then Elijah said unto the people, I even I only remain a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let's jump down to verse 26. Um, Elijah had him get two, two uh, bullocks, and they took the bullock, which was given them, and they dressed it, and called on the name of Baal, morning, even until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, nor any that answered, and they leaped upon the altar which was made. And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them, and said, Cry aloud, for he is a god, either he is talking, or he is pursuing, or he's a journey, or peradventure, he sleepeth and must be awakened. He's having fun with it right now, isn't he? And they cried aloud, the prophets of Baal, cut themselves after their manner with knives and lancets, you know, to please, to, to try and get the attention of their false god, till the blood gushed out upon them. And it came to pass, when midday was past, this is going on for hours, that they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. This is so sad here. For those who do not serve the true and living God, this is true every single time. They can cry and they can beg. They can have the faith, such great faith that he exists. I mean, these prophets actually believe Baal is real. Baal can help them. I mean, they are begging. They are pleading. They're cutting themselves. But look at these next words. That there was neither voice, nor any to answer, nor any that regarded. That day comes for many people when they realize, what I put my faith in fails. It no longer works. Let's continue. And Elijah said unto all the people, come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took twelve stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. <clears throat> and with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order, and cut the bullock in pieces, laid him on the wood, and said, Fill four barrels with water, and pour it on the burnt sacrifice. That would take some time, by the way. And on the wood. And he said, do it a second time. And they did it the second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. This is what he was looking for. 
and the water ran round about the altar, and he filled the trench also with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. So we've been at this all day. That Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known unto this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, Hear me that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell, consumed the burnt sacrifice, and the wood, and the stones, and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when the people saw it, look at that, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. Now, let's. This was a great day, wasn't it? Let's go to the next day, chapter 19, verse number 1. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and withal how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, so let the gods do to me. Remember, there are no, remember, there are no gods. There, there is no power here. There is no, no statement in this oath. There is nothing behind it. And more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose. And he went for his life. And came to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die. And he said, it is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life for I am not better than my father's. Let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, uh, Lord, I certainly do love you. Lord, I thank you for your mercy and your grace. Lord, I pray that you would bless now. Lord, I pray that you would help me. I pray that you control what I say, how I say it. Lord, may it be according to thy word. And may your word speak to hearts. Please, do that illuminating that only your spirit can do. To meet the needs that are here. To draw us closer to you. Lord, you know what each needs to hear. And I pray your spirit would speak that. Lord, so please use this to strengthen us. To feed us. To be a help. Lord, if there's somebody here who has never truly been converted, Lord, I do pray for that. I pray for that conviction and that drawing that your Spirit gives of that need of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that that would take place even this morning, that that person would repent and place their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. May you be glorified and honored in all that's said and done. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Again, I've entitled this The Day After Christmas. We, I've talked about it in the messages leading up to Christmas, what an exciting time it is, what a great time it is. Uh, many of us are always looking forward to this time of year very much. For many, it's a time when families get together. We still have family in town right now that have flown in. To, uh, that Many of them haven't seen their family in maybe in a year or longer. Families get together. There's reunion. There's fellowships. 
Um, it's a sweet time, a, sign, a time to show love by giving, where you get to think about that. Usually right around November, Thanksgiving time frame, your mind gets in that gear. You start thinking how I can demonstrate love to my spouse, how I can demonstrate love to my children, and the anxiousness of that day, and the thinking, and the planning that goes into it. And then finally, Christmas Day arrives, and you get to witness all of it. The family's there. Everybody's there. Everybody's excited. You see the smile on the kids' faces and, and the presents get open and, and you're watching your children's eyes as they open them. And it's just an exciting time. But then the next day comes. Families fly back. People go back home. The excitement dies down. Things get back to their normal schedule. The grind. It's the day after Christmas. And so how do we handle those times? How do we handle the times after some exciting mountaintop experience, when those winds of revival die down? How do we handle those times? Listen, these times are critical. David, one one of David's most trying times when he fell was after a great victory against Saul. One of Israel's greatest challenges in the New Land was after perhaps their greatest victory of Jericho. In our text, Elijah, uh, in chapter 18, is at the high point of his life. An incredible day. I mean, you can think of all that's taking place, the apostasy of the nation, and, and, and God has been using Elijah in tremendous ways. And the Lord arranges through His sovereignty for that day to take place in chapter 18. And you can see the boldness of Elijah. As he tells them, listen, I I, I know I am the only prophet here. you got 450. Go get two bullocks. He's going to show them who the true God is. He says, "You, you prepare yours. And, and you call upon your God, and let's just see what happens. And, and we read the account, you know, they prepare it, and they, and they start calling upon Baal, but there is no one to answer, of course. There's no voice to respond to that, because it doesn't exist. And uh, uh, Elijah comes in with a sarcasm, just, just you got to speak up. He could be sleeping right now. Maybe he's in a conversation with somebody else. you got to interrupt him. Wait, wait, maybe he's on a journey and he's traveling. And of course, then they start cutting themselves, they're jumping up. You can see their faith. It's important what your faith is in. They're cutting themselves, blood is gushing, thinking that this will please Baal. Nothing happens. And then Elijah takes over. He gets... He repairs the altar of the Lord. The symbolism of that moment would have been incredible before the nation. He has them get the, after everything's finished, the the offering has been set. He's going to make it even more complex. He's timed this. He's going to remind them about the evening sacrifice. You know, he has them bring the barrels of water over and over and over. The trench is now filled that he had built around the altar. It's covered in water. He wants it to be so clear. This is of God. He is God. Just like he made the challenge. You know, decide to say, who are you going to serve? How won't haunt you between two opinions? If God be God, then serve him. If you think Baal's God, then serve him. Stop straddling the fence. And 
And so we know at the time of the evening sacrifice, he, a simple prayer to God. As he calls upon the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he just says, let it be known. You are the true God. And that fire fell. Could you just imagine the fear that would be hitting? I think even Elijah was like, whoa, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, it came down. All, all the water was gone. The sacrifice burned up instantly. To see that, inc- that incredible event, the people falling down on their faces. The Lord, He is God. And then Elijah even takes a leadership role immediately, being the prophet. Get the prophets of Baal now. We're done with this. But then the excitement dies down. That day's over with. It's past. The next day comes. And Elijah was a man that struggled with the next day. I wonder if, if it wasn't the problem with dealing with the next day after the winds of revival again die down, after, after all the excitement is gone. I wonder if that's not what affected somebody like Demas. There was something about Demas where he was selected to travel with Paul. Paul wasn't about to take some carnal Christian. He wasn't. But you could just see Demas, the excitement of it. He selected, I am going with Paul. All the excitement, the prayers for people at the, at the church praying for you. You're going to travel out, going to do great things. He would have been so excited. The problem was the next day came. And he realized how hard it was to travel with Paul. All of a sudden, there are no cheers. There are no words of encouragement. It's the daily grind. I think of the man who comes as not being a hypocrite at all. He gets under conviction in a church service and it's genuine and it's of God. Already saved. He says, I'm getting right. And he comes forward, gets on his knees before God, tears flowing. Lord, I'm sorry. I want to do right. And he means it. He gives testimony to that end of, of, of his desire to do right. I want to do right. I am determining to do what's right. I'm done with my backslidden condition. And we rejoice and we let him know when we do, we're going to pray. But you know what happens? Monday comes. Monday arrives. That alarm clock goes off. All of a sudden, there's nobody there to cheer you on. There's nobody present. Feeling-wise, it's like the same feeling you had two days ago. And sometimes there's a lack of understanding as to why that is. And, and, and at that moment, is critical as to what. How do we handle those times? The day after Christmas. I want to bring up two points with this. The danger of the next day and then giving you some helps on how to handle that day. First off, 
What we learn from our text is this, and the danger of the next day after excitement, after victory. One, it can lead to depression. Look at verse 4 of chapter 19. This is, of course, Elijah. We read this verse. It's the day after, two days after. And he is, his mindset is different. He gets word from Jezebel. You know, my guess is, by the way, think about this. Things did not go the way I think that Elijah imagined they would. I'm convinced of that. I am. I don't think this is how he saw God. Uh, I mean, I, I believe he saw God responding with the offering, the sacrifice. He took down Baal. But whatever took place wasn't quite what he expected. Because he gets word from Jezebel by her gods, which he should have. The day before, he would have laughed at that, by your gods. What, what, that has no power. But she lets him know, I, I, I'm, I'm going to kill you. And so here's his response. He himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die. Listen, he's not playing here. Discouragement has come. Depression has come. And he said, it is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life. For I am not better than my father's. This is the exact same man who 48 hours earlier is calling down fire from heaven. Know what he is? He's human. He's human. He's struggling with depression. The excitement is gone. See, at times we can receive news that lets us think that God is off his throne. That's never true. It's never true. Understand this right now. God knows the next day is coming. He's already there. What came to mind as I was going over was, was, was when Peter denied the Lord and their eyes locked. The Lord knew that day was coming for Peter. He knew what he'd be feeling from the conviction, the discouragement, the depression, and how he had just so easily denied the Lord. And the Lord right there locking eyes just to let him know, no, I'm right here. Peter, I do love you. Depression came in, and as we see here, depression can debilitate you. Remember, how you view your situation determines your actions. That's why it's so important how you... Listen, I, I cannot... There is no way you can stop discouragement from coming. It will come. There's no magical words I have. There's no promises about... Discouragement will come. It's what you do when the discouragement comes that makes the difference. If you're not careful, that discouragement can rapidly change into depression. And it's, it's just like you're paralyzed. Boy, you have to be careful during those times. Your outlook, this is why that battle for your mind is so important. I, I preach a message on this in James chapter 2. I'm just going to mention it for a second. Your outlook determines outcome. It will affect what you decide to do. Elijah's outlook was miserable, depressing. So was he. 
is in our thought life that depression begins. When discouragement comes. Depression begins to affect your perception of your life. It changes it all of a sudden in those moments. It actually changes. Sometimes within minutes. How you perceive your life. All of a sudden, once where you, you saw a, a joy, a hope, there's, there's the, the doom sets in, the gloom. It seems to surround you. You fail to see the good. There's a danger there. If you're not careful then, this is what then happens next. And, and I'll get to a help with this in a second. I'm not just going to leave it there, okay? But let me go on and, and sort of build this ladder. Once the discouragement comes and it's not dealt with, depression can easily set in. All right? When that begins to take over, all of a sudden now, you begin to form, listen to me, it's very true. You form wrong conclusions about your life. You do. You have now have a wrong perspective. Look at verse 10 of chapter 19. Elijah find him, found himself in this condition. Because of the discouragement leading to the depression, it, read to law, it, it led to wrong conclusions and a wrong perspective. Verse 10 of chapter 19. Elijah is speaking and he said, <coughs> Excuse me, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenants and thrown down thine altars and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I even, I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. Here's how he's viewing his life right now. He said, Here's my problem. The problem is, his conclusion is wrong. And he's blinded because of the discouragement and the depression and his, his perception of life has changed. He forgot all about God. This is, again, the same man who 48 hours earlier is calling fire down from heaven. Just prior to that, he raised the widow's son from the dead. He's seen God use him in a tremendous ways. This is the same man. He is forgetting about all the great ways that God used him. You see, when you begin to remove faith during these times, because I, I assure you, when discouragement comes in, what it is attacking is your faith. Your faith in God. And as, as that discouragement begins to succeed in that battle, depression begins to come in, because now you begin to lose hope. There's danger there, because you're opening the door to despair. When you remove faith, you reach wrong conclusions. Sometimes you can drown yourself with your current circumstances that you no longer uh, put the current distress in proper perspective of your life. It just floods you. So, you have wrong conclusions... Remember, you're getting truth right now, so when these times hit you, these are things you go to. Alright, these are things, that, what, what I'm trying to give you is truth, so I'm going to help with it more to serve as anchors. 
Once you get there, discouraged people will overstate their problems because they leave God out of the equation. When you remove God from the equation, I promise you, you will overstate your because you no longer have a sovereign God where your faith is resting. It's a dangerous place to be. Elijah's at the point where he says, Lord, take my life. I'm done with it here. I'm done. The same guy, 48 hours earlier, calling fire down from heaven. Lord, take my life. When you remove God and your faith is attacked, it leads to wrong conclusions in life. Now think about this. I think this will help. Look, go back to chapter 18 real quick. Stay with me. Don't, don't lose this. I'm on the same thought. I want you to notice something. Look at verse 22 of chapter 18. I want to to show you the power of a proper perspective with faith in God versus a perspective void of faith in God. Verse 22. Then said Elijah unto the people, I even, I only, remain a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Now get this. By the way, this wasn't true yet either. But his perspective is different because of faith. Here, he's making basically the same statement that he makes in the next chapter, but for an entirely different reason. Both affecting his mind and his actions in completely different ways. Within a matter of hours. In verse 22, he's saying this as a challenge. In verse 22, he's saying it as if it doesn't even matter because God only needs one. There's faith there. There's faith. You can have all the prophets you want. You can have your 450. Because the true God only needs one. But the next day, see now, he he believed he was the only one. He sees it differently now. What changed? The attack on his faith. Discouragement had come. Depression had set in. Now he views the exact same circumstance that he believes to be true entirely differently. And it's paralyzing him. What he removed was that all-powerful God. No, he didn't forget it. He didn't literally forget about God, but he is in his thoughts. That's what the, that's where the discouragement comes. You have to be careful because what it'll lead to. We forget how good God is and his strength is. We get drowned in the circumstance. The next day that excitement was gone, the victory was over. It changed how he perceived his life. We have to be careful that what we, what we try and do our best, and we're humans. We, there's not a person in here that's not susceptible to this, not one. 
But how we know what the Lord is teaching us how to respond isn't simply on feeling, but on what's true. If you only respond those times when emotions are high instead of low, it's, it's just going to be an up and down, up and down, up and down. Instead of trying to get stability in your life, basing things on, our what, on what is actually true. And not the emotion of, the, of, of daily life. Don't forget those promises of God as your faith is being attacked because you will make wrong conclusions. King David was similar with Elijah. He was a man who struggled with these same issues. King David struggled greatly when when he was faced with different... Again, he's like... There's a lot of similarities between David and personality and Elijah and personality. You have one, one time where David is facing Goliath with just incredible faith. Goliath was never his biggest giant. It was not. Do you understand? Goliath was easy for David. It was nothing for him. That was not the real giant in his life. That discouragement can come in and you begin to forget the great things that God has done for you. You can refuse to see the positive. You begin to focus on the negative. Anything that's positive, you excuse it away. Elijah forgot about God's calling, the great way that he was serving God. He forgot about the special power that God had blessed him with. You know, when we read the Old Testament, we have to understand how much time frame is taking place here. We think miracles were performing every day in the Old Testament. That's simply not true. What was taking place with Elijah was special. It was something, something that generation hadn't seen before. Elijah's forgetting how God used him. And it happened just like that. Don't forget all those times that God has been there for you. And as we see here, it hurt Elijah spiritually. He's certainly not the beacon for God at this moment. He is not. That's one thing I love, I love about the Word of God. It proves it to be the Word of God. It shows us the failures of these men. It does. How they're human. And that helps. Because you know the times that you fail. The fact is, Elijah is hurting. He's hurting spiritually. His faith is failing. It's under attack. Another great preacher in history who battled these same battles was Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon battled depression. It it, it was a giant in his life. It was a giant in his life. The man did amazing things. But he struggled with depression. Um, There were changes he was seeing in Europe that were horrible. 
And he was right on target. He saw, just like we're seeing today, I'm not, I'm not kidding, when you go back, you understand the setting of Spurgeon's life and what was taking place in Europe with churches, with, with things changing, and, and, and Spurgeon saw this is a bad road. He was one of the key pastors fighting against it. Listen, we're seeing that stuff take place in a whole nother way in our day right now. But here's coming from a man who had these battles personally. Listen to what he said. Always be afraid of being afraid. Failing faith means failing strength. Do not regard despondency as merely a loss of joy. View it as draining away your spiritual life. Struggle against it. For it often happens that when faith ebbs, sin comes to the flood. He who does not comfortably trust God will soon seek after comfort somewhere else. Because you're going to want an answer for that depression. You're going to want an answer for that discouragement. And if that answer is not found faith in God, he's saying, you will turn to another avenue. And listen, as Elijah said in chapter 18, if all this is true and God is God, that's a wrong avenue. So, what do we do when the next day comes? Let me give some help here quickly. What to do when the next day comes. Number one. You know, this is the one we all like to avoid is this first one. It is. Because it's true from Genesis through Revelation, what I'm getting ready to give you. A successful life in almost any realm with the way we are designed by God involves a, a certain um, a, a need for discipline. It does. Another, let me just give the first one and then I'll dive into it. When it hits... You have to determine quickly, quickly, don't delay on this. I will not stay down. I won't. There has to be a measure of discipline that hits. Your flesh will be tempted to cave into it. Ironically, you're going to have emotions take over that will almost want to draw comfort from the misery. You have to determine, I'm not going to stay down. I'm not. I'm not going to let this take over. I don't, I don't care if this has been my process, my routine for year after year. I am changing it. There's times for some, they just have to stop the pity party. Say, no, listen, I'm not. David did this. This is where you begin to see David turning things around. When he finally determined, I'm not doing it. I'm not. He said, I'm not staying this way. See, the truth is we can learn to live in this condition. It becomes the life we know. Our heart gets deceived. We begin to miss out on the joy of the Lord and the joy of life. So one, it starts with a determination when it's, I'm not going to stay down. Okay? 
I know that's not enough, and that's why I got several more things here. But it starts there. Okay? It starts there. Number two. Almost all these are going to tie into faith now, because that's that's where the strength of the depression lies. What your faith is in. Because if you see an answer to it, that brings in hope. Hope brings joy. Number two. Remember this and don't forget it. God knows what you need and what lies ahead. Look in chapter 19. God's response to Elijah. By the way, don't you just love the fact that the Lord just didn't get finished with Elijah? He was going to help him. That's what he was going to do. Verse 5. For he's asking to die. Here's God's response. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. The Lord knew what lied ahead for Elijah. Do you understand that God, he really is so incredible. Not just in creation and speaking this thing into existence, but his ability to understand perfectly where we're at. Perfectly. Do you understand that if God understands perfectly where you're at, which he does, he knows the perfect solution. He does. Did you ever think God doesn't have to diagnose you? He already knows. He doesn't have to figure it out. He knows. Therefore, he knows what you need. And in his sovereignty, what's so great, now he also knows what comes tomorrow. He knows what you need, and he also knows what's going to happen the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day. He knows when the journey is too great for you. He understands that. That's why he's there. You have to understand that God knows what you need. And he knows what lies ahead. We will face difficult situations. Those those circumstances that arise that all of a sudden we believe God's no longer on his throne. But you have to remember that phrase. It's a popular thing to preach. I don't think I ever have preached on it. I've mentioned it in sermons. But a lot of preachers like to preach it because it's encouraging. and, And I like that. Don't ever forget that phrase. But God. So much has even changed in our nation. And it's as if Christians think God is off his throne. What in the world? He's he hasn't, he hasn't given up one little ounce of his power or his sovereignty to anything that has taken place. 
Our hope is not in the United States of America. It's in God. It is. It's amazing how the Lord gives help here in these verses. So one, you have to decide, I'm I'm not going to stay down. That has to be decided quickly. Two, remember, God does know what you need. Look at 11 through 13. Look at this. He's still helping Elijah at this point. So the Lord is basically bringing us in on the insides of a counseling session with Almighty God. And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. (laughs) And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not, get this, was not in the wind. So just think what Elijah's going here. Lord says, I want you to go here. I want, he's going to change his perspective. And he does some amazing stuff here. I mean, think what's taking place. The Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains. A wind, a wind that's tearing into the mountains. That's a pretty good wind. And break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But get this. But the Lord was not in the wind. You see, this is what Elijah is used to. In that power. In that demonstration of strength. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. Yes, Elijah, this is where God will be. Look at the power of this. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. Know what he's teaching him? He's teaching him how to handle the next day. He's saying, Elijah, I am still there when all is quiet. I haven't gone anywhere. When I was there, when you called down fire for him, yes, I was there in that. But I got news for you. When, when it was all quiet, it was all said and done, I haven't moved. I'm still there. You have to know, God is even there when all is quiet. All that he showed, he wasn't there in all the grandeur. He was there in the still, small voice. Listen, when everything quiets down, God is still there. He's teaching them the source of his own strength, prophet who demonstrated the power of God, who proved it beyond any shadow of doubt. God is proving to that same prophet. Elijah, I am your strength. It's not the demonstration of that power that's your strength. It's me. It's not in your ability to call fire down from heaven. It's me. Trust me. I have you. 
You don't have to be calling fire down from heaven to know that I have you. I'm still there when it's all quiet. You have to decide not to stay down. You remember, God knows what you need and what lies ahead. He's there when it's all quiet. More faith. Fourthly, have faith in what you cannot see. That is faith. Think back on your life at the times, and this helps. I believe you need to do that at times. You have key memories in place ready when that discouragement hits. Ready to go. That you will think on. You have key memories in place. You remember times in your life when you thought before all was lost. But then God showed up. You get your mind on those. Use discipline to do it. Because your flesh is going to want to go right into the pity party. It's going to want to go right into that depression rapidly. You have key memories ready to go. Of those times that God showed up. I can think of different times over and over in my life when you just thought, There's just, this is just horrible. And then God showed up. You've heard from the time the motorhome ripped open on the first week of deputation, Daniel cutting his thumb off, canceling meetings, and just ready to lose it completely. To have an entire fly off and hood fall off, and God showing up. To one time we're coming back. We're, we're coming back one time on the supply run. We're, we're not close to where we need to be. Remember, there's no tow, no tow trucks when, when you're down, you're down. I am going, and our, our back end is full of supplies. The truck is packed with supplies for the month. All the kids are in the car. We have a small truck, by the way, and I have five kids. And so they're all packed in there. Always made for a great five-hour drive. They got along so well. There's just no fighting whatsoever. And all of a sudden, not the front end, but the back end went, boom, like dropped, and a grinding was hitting. And I, and I come to a stop, and I'm like, what just happened? And I get out, and I still, because I'm, I'm not a mechanic, and I, and I get out, and I look at the side of my vehicle, and I'm like, well, that's not good. The entire back of my truck is like, Boop. it's sitting on the tire even. There's no way I'm driving this thing. And I'm like, what happened? And so then I try and get underneath, which is difficult now, because the whole thing is just like, down. And I look, and those leaf springs that are there, there's like four or five of them, ah, they're all snapped in half. They're snapped in half. Discouragement was coming, depression was rapidly setting in. <laughs> it was. This is the truth in the world. I have all my kids here. My wife is here. We're in the middle of nowhere. And, but then God showed up. I was, my truck, let's say my truck was right here. About where that window is. Was a overhang type thing, bush overhang. Just bush material, but an overhang. And it did look like vehicles had went in there. And sure enough, I was right. There hadn't been a guy that lived in the bush house right there that worked on vehicles. He come out, saw what had happened, and he says, 
I can fix this. He has no other leaf. There's no other leaf springs. He has a spare set of... Is there a Napa to run to? No. There's no Napa. There's no extra set of leaf springs to fit my truck. And But he takes my truck. We pushed it to get it back into place where it was, into that location. And my family remember this. So he gets the vehicle all lifted up on these different unique and brilliant ways to get my vehicle jacked up, using also my jack. And he used, Greg, you're not going to believe, no, he used, inner tube. He took my leaf springs and he inner tubed them. To, he took, what we did have was all the tires there had inner tubes. So he had a lot of old inner tubes from him changing tires. That's what he did most of the time, just changed out bad tires. So he had all these old inner tubes. He took a knife and he shredded inner tube. And he wrapped up my leaf springs. And tied him, 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 and tied him. He said, that'll get you back. And it did. You know what God knew? When he, he knew when it broke that that guy was right there. That he'd have the wisdom to know what to do. Even at the moment, I thought, what in the world? God showed up. See, you go to memories like that, you have those, those times in life when God showed up. Have them ready to go. Think on those times. The Apostle Paul did this, 2 Corinthians. I'm almost done. Stay with this, though. I, you need all of these. 2 Corinthians. Again, this is dealing with faith. Having faith in those things you can't see yet. And faith has anchors. You, you think of the times when God did work to help strengthen your faith in the moment of discouragement because it is your very faith that is getting attacked. I love this verse by Paul in verse 8. Chapter 4 is probably my favorite chapter here in this book, one of two. He said this, we are troubled on every side. I mean, think what, think what he's saying by that statement there. And he's not lying. We are troubled on every side. Every way he looks, there's trouble. But look, he says, yet not distressed. I'm not. I know there's trouble in every single direction I look right now in my life. Yet I'm not distressed. We are perplexed. You know what he's saying? There's times I don't understand. I don't get it. But boy, here's a key. But not in despair. Paul was exercising. The only way he gets here is by exercising faith still in God. That it was being attacked. He said, no, I'm not going there. And he tells us what he would go to in his thought life. Drop down. Verse 17. Verse 16, I'll start. For which cause we faint not. He's listed all the struggles they have. Here's what he thought on. For which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inner man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction... 
which is but for a moment. This is where his mind went. Why he endured. Why, why even though the troubles were on every, every side, he protected himself against despair. Because if despair sets in, I guarantee you, he now has a wrong perception of his life. He's going to make wrong conclusions. He's going to make bad decisions. So he says, which is but for a moment. It worketh for us a far more exceeding an eternal weight of glory. Why we look not at the things which are seen. He's talking about him. How he did this. How he made it. Why we look not at the things which are seen. I don't look at the trouble on every side. That's not what I do, he said. I mean, he would just fall to pieces if he did that. But here's what he looks at. This is what he thinks on. But the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. But the things which are not seen are eternal. Paul knew it'll come to pass. It's temporal. That's what this is. He drew strength from that. This will end. You have faith in those things that you cannot see. He knew trials would come. He knew that next, those, those day after the Christmas, those next days would come. He said, but I'm going to stay focused. I'm going to stay focused on God. So, know what that tells me. In the high days, by the way, I want you to think about this. I think this is important. On the high days and the low days, I believe he was the same man. I do. I believe he never got too carried away with the high days. Nor did he allow those low days. You have to have faith. It has to stay in God. Know that he's there even when it all is quiet. Know that he knows what you need and it lies ahead. Exercise the measure of discipline. I'm not going to stay down. And then lastly, I'll finish with this. Do not lose sight of what you have in God. Elijah did. Don't forget it. Elijah had to be reminded There are times it would be amazing how much it will help you. As soon as these are things you do, by the way, I'm giving you when it starts. When it starts, it's the best time to deal with it. When it hits, it's not only do you have the times that God was there, ready to go. You step back and you immediately count your blessings. Because listen to me, that discouragement is attacking your faith in God. If it succeeds, depression will follow. You go back to God's current blessings on your life. Before you get to the point where you're dismissing all of them. Count your blessings. Remember in the book of Deuteronomy, the Lord had warned the children of Israel over and over. Don't forget what I've done. Don't forget. Don't forget. Why? They would need those times. They would need it. Don't forget. With heads bowed and eyes closed.